After years of helping online businesses make more money by advising them on their taxes and finances, I've now made it my mission to reach as many profitable online businesses as possible to help them save on their taxes and make more money. On my quest, I bring you proven and real profitable online business owners, and we dig into how they do it. Hello again. Thanks for being here on the Few, the Proud, the Profitable. This is the podcast where we talk exclusively to six and seven figure online business owners. We know that in this space, there's a lot of people who fabricate, who exaggerate, who inflate their successes. So what we've done here is we've taken the guesswork out of it for you. We personally vet each and every one of our guests. We know that they're legit. We know they're actually making money online and we get their tips and we get some insight from them as to how they've done it. We've got one of those today. Robert Ricky, thanks for being here, buddy. Not a problem, sir. Anytime at all. It's always, uh, it's always good to speak to you, Micah. Yeah, it's always a pleasure. Been working together for a while now on several of your projects and mine. So for a lot of people, you're, you're an Amazon guy. And so people in that world, you're very, very well known. But for any listeners who aren't in that sort of ecosystem, just tell everybody who you are and what y'all do. Yeah, well, I'm, uh, I'm Robert Rickey, as you say, uh, Micah, from Marketplace Superheroes. I am from Belfast in Northern Ireland. And I've been in the, in the e-commerce online space actually since 1997, would you believe? Nice. And, nice. It's, uh, you know, it's gone through a lot of uh, changes since then, which I'm, I'm sure we'll, uh, we'll dig into in, in due course. Over the last uh, five years, being in the more educational space, so being able to pass back some of the knowledge that I've learned over a number of years in different areas of the business and being able to create a community now of uh, about 5,000 strong inside Marketplace Superheroes with my co-founder, Stephen Summers. And myself and Steve, we got, uh, we got together about 2010, and we then continued to run our own Amazon business for about four years until we moved into that uh, more educational space with Marketplace Superheroes. And it's, it's fantastic you know, to be able to almost roll back the years, uh, some might yeah. say, and go back into, uh, you know, educating people, see them get their first dollar online in the, in the Amazon space and, and other marketplaces, and then be able to assist them through, you know, all the, all the valleys that, that people come across, especially in this end, because there is so many different things. It's not just about pick a product, throw it up. Right. Uh, and get it and get it sold so it's that part has been absolutely fantastic to give back to, to new people well that's what's fascinating because i'm in your marketplace superhero the support group and then the the office group that deals more with the the european accounting and it'll be funny because when i'll pop in there it's to me not being actively involved in the operational side of the Amazon business, it will be what seem like the most arcane questions will pop up. And it could be that y'all have just already covered this in the training and the people missed it. Maybe they are sort of off the wall questions, but what's always fascinating is within 30 seconds is an exaggeration, but within really short order, there's someone from the team a lot of times it's you who pops and said, oh, yeah, you got to do X, Y, Z and perfectly outline. And the answer to me is Greek because, again, it seems so technical and so precise. So it's been and I think that goes a little bit to to what you said about me doing this for so long. 
because 1997 <laughs> that's yeah that's sort of a, a founding father of e- of e-commerce well, it's almost uh, it's almost prehistoric, Mike. As you say, you're talking about archaic and whatever. It's all, it is almost prehistoric, um, for for sure. And I I kind of level at it myself. You know, uh, a lot of times, you know, call myself the grander or the grandfather, or whatever. Although I'm only in my forties, so uh, you know, as Steve would keep saying, you know, you're not that old. It's kind of like oh, it feels like I've just been doing it for forever. Yeah. Uh, I think too, you know, whenever you're talking about being able to to answer people quickly, you know. We know in this day and age, as soon as that question's been asked, it, the answer is too late. You know, everybody wants instant, instant access. And even though we have a massive amount of material inside videos and different things, and I certainly don't hold it against anybody because it's just the way of the world. Rather than going down through and looking down through a video, they'll just think that it's easier to ask the question and get it re-answered. Right. And you know, at times that can be frustrating for sure, but I understand people and, you know, a lot of them are only either starting off in a business, which, you know, can be daunting, and it maybe is their first business that they're starting off in and they don't know business, mm-hmm. and, that's, and that, can really, that can really affect some people. So it's good to have that community there that can answer them quickly. And even if it's not their first business, it's certainly their first Amazon business, and right. it's certainly the first business that may be you know, going across jurisdictions, maybe they're Americans or Canadians and they're starting to deal in Europe and the United Kingdom. And all of a sudden, even though accounting is, as you would well know, it's very similar across across the globe, but it's not exactly the same. And the same yeah. thing goes for, you know, governments and different things. And especially the likes of, you know, the United Kingdom and the United States, very, very similar countries, very, very similar governmental things but it's the little pieces, the nuances mm-hmm. that can catch people out. And I always say to people, don't, don't make assumptions. Right. You know, don't make an assumption that, you know, for example, as, you know, as, as we well know, in, uh, in the US, you guys you know, do all your accounting on the calendar year, you know, January through December. Mm-hmm. And that's what people then just assume that everybody else would be the same. Uh, and yet, you know, when they say the United Kingdom, it's more on a financial year. So it's those little nuances mm-hmm. and caveats that it's always good to remind people that they're now global businesses. So treat it as globally and make sure you're getting the right information. Right. Well, and as similar as the general accounting principles are, the, the tax treatments and the different ways that the countries will want things can vary wildly because... Y'all, again, y'all have that marketplace, the superhero office offer, where you can speak, if you want to speak to what that offer is, I'll probably botch a few of the details, and then I'll come back to what I'm saying. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, in terms of our, of our superhero office, really what we're talking about there is having our network of, of accountants that can, A, set up your, your UK limited companies for, you know, to deal inside Europe and to deal in great British pounds, you know, we're also dealing in different currencies in different parts of the world. And even that can, even that can throw people. So therefore having a network of accountants that are there, able to answer questions, able to do work on your behalf and to support you in terms of compliancy with, with relation to governments at the end of the year or throughout the year, or those horrible three letters of EAT that everybody's mm-hmm. afraid of and, and shouldn't be afraid of. And, you know, have, having that there at your, disposal is great because if you know what you're doing and you then move into the United Kingdom, great. But 
where are you going to find an accountant who knows Amazon? Well, you're going to have to troll the internet. You're going mm -hmm. to be making, you know, you're going to, you're going to have to look at their website and their different offerings and see, you know, do they really know what, do I know what I'm talking about? Am I best qualified as a seller to work out? Do these guys know, or will I be listening to what they're saying? So having somebody pre-vetted and having a team mm -hmm. there that can do all that work for you is, is fantastic. It, it's huge. And what's interesting from my perspective is that even though on, I'm just dealing with the US side, when we have superhero office clients who are also working with me, sometimes people won't know who to ask a question to. So they'll say, hey, what, where should, which company should receive this inventory? Or how should I do this? And how should I do that? And you, a lot of times there'll be UK based questions. And I'll refer them back, but I want to have an idea of what the answer is. And a decent portion of the time I'm right. And then other times I'm like, wow, it, it's, it's humbling. I'm like, I don't know anything about UK accounting. And that's me as a CPA, as someone who, like you said at the outset, understands the general accounting principles that are going on. But certain maneuvers that from a US perspective, I'd say, doesn't matter. I don't care which country, I don't care which entity receives that or pays for it. All the same to the US, US government doesn't care, has huge ramifications from a VAT standpoint. So I've always been really thankful that I can always refer people just back to Marlon. But if I want to answer the question for him, I can hop on a call with him until to the extent he can with my lack of knowledge of the intricacies of UK accounting, expl explain it to me. And I, I think, think that's very, uh, that network, that network is huge. And it doesn't just go for accounting. It goes across, you know, your business as, as a whole. Mm -hmm. Imagine being able to have the different, you know, pieces of your, of your business, the logistics of your business, if you want to call it that, all talking the same language, all knowing each other the whole way through, you know, whether that mm -hmm. is, you know, your freight, uh, you know, moving goods around the world, or your accounting in one country and the accounting in another country and having your, your mentors and coaches. And actually they all are in the same room. And at any time you can go down and speak to each individual one and they talk to each other all the time. So it's not like somebody is unknown, you know, because mm -hmm. you might have an accountant in the, in the U S and you might say to your accountant here, could you speak to this guy? And they don't get on. They don't want to speak to each other or, Somebody says, well, I can't speak at that time because it's, it's out of my office hours or, or like for well, like. They just argue. They don't actually know what they're talking about. And there's this huge disconnect on what the, the two strategies are. Yeah. And we've seen it too, you know, in terms of, you know, with, uh, you know, we got involved. One of the big, big problems that we saw with a lot of our guys, whenever they're bringing in their first and subsequent products was, you know, how do I move these across, across the globe? Uh, mm -hmm. In terms of like freighting them, the UK, US, how do I account for these? How do I get my freight forwarders talking to my suppliers and talking this, that, and the other? And whenever we put together that network, it just became so easy because every single person was talking the same language. And we put it all through the same process and same system. And the upshot then, the result was that the person who is in the hot seat, the business, it just becomes nice and simple then. And they can then concentrate on the, on the things that they should be concentrating on. The likes of even with yourself and myself, like I don't know where the paper comes from in, in my office, but I know, it, I know it comes here. 
because then it allows me to focus on you know a higher level thing that whenever mm -hmm. you're in business you want to focus on the most highest level thing in your business that you that you possibly can yeah absolutely all right so we'll get to the second question in a second but one thing that i do before i forget i do want to circle back to just because i do think it is important and interesting you've been doing this since 1997 i had a guy on a couple episodes ago where he's been doing internet marketing since myspace before it was all, almost a thing and it's always interesting to me and adam will adam lincoln auger will talk about this that I don't want to talk to the guy who's been having a lot of success in marketing their industry, whatever they're doing for the past year or six months or two years. I want to talk to the guy who's been doing it for the past 10 years, because if they've been able to navigate that, they've navigated changes on the platform, changes on the general industry, the ecosystem, everything, not just been able to, hey, I found this cool little hack. Look at how, look at this fast money we're making. But then when things change, they've got no intrinsic understanding of the platform to be able to make those adjustments. And I'm sure Adam has exactly the same uh, sort of theories and, and, and the same experiences that, that I have. And it's uh, obviously with a, a slightly different platform and being sure. in, in the internet marketing space. But I'm sure he's seen massive changes the way I've seen massive changes. But also that ability, as you say, to be able to adapt. You know, it's not a flash in the pan. And then whenever mm -hmm. there is a change, yeah. that everything falls down around. It's having that consistent thing. And whenever there is a change, either you're well set up to deal with it or that your systems and processes never have to because yeah. they're, they're not gaming a system. And that's definitely something that, that we have, you know, certainly been fortunate on but we knew that that was going to happen anyway because mm -hmm. we've never been gaming the system you know i go back in the you know, late 90s started in the uk here if there was no ebay there was no amazon so you know we built a our own website our own e-commerce site and i always laugh whenever i say to people like it was actually built on microsoft access which right. I don't even, you know, it's like, it's crazy. That's what it was built on. The whole database, the whole back end. And, and yeah, back no Shopify back. stores back in those days. No, I mean, that they were, they were, as the expression goes, they were only a twinkle in their daddy's eye at that stage, you know, an off the shelf yeah. website. That would have been absolutely glorious if I could have uh, just lifted that off. and yeah. But no, it had to be built. Everything was hard coded. And I remember saying, and, th and this is honest truth. It was, uh, I remember saying to the guys who were building it, Yes, but I'll need to change prices and change some text around some products. And they were like, oh, okay. Uh, then we'll have to go to this solution. You know, and it seems like such a really bland, stupid question nowadays uh, where we've got, you know, the ability to do that, sure. the ability for a robot to do it um, on, our, on our behalf. But yeah, that was, that was some of the stuff that we encountered at the start. Then... You know, the, the marketplaces, uh, as I would call them, came to town, the Amazons, the Ebays. And obviously back then, I mean, eBay was a, a much bigger animal uh, than Amazon was whenever it first started off. And it was a platform for people to sell, whereas Amazon, not so much, you know, back in them days, they were getting rocking and rolling with selling mm -hmm. books and different things. And then they slowly moved into their, to their marketplaces and then continue to, to dominate that space. But whenever it was going in and being able to, you know, integrate yourself with their small catalog at that stage, and again, saying that Amazon has got a small catalog almost feels ridiculous. 
But honestly, for anybody listening, they used to have a very small catalog. Mm-hmm. And, you know, moving into that, at that stage, there wasn't as many sellers, but also there wasn't as many people as a footfall, you know, going on to the site. Right. So in that case, you know, people would say, oh, you must have had the, the marketplace to yourself. Well, not really. Uh, there was sellers, but also the footfall was a hell of a lot lower than, than what it is now. There was no such thing as Amazon Prime. There's no such thing as fulfillment by Amazon. There was no right. such thing as X, Y, and uh, X, Y, and Z. So that that's definitely changed. And and then whenever you start to get into the type of products that you're selling, the way that you research those products and the way that you sell them, we've always been of a mindset of you know front load the work. You know, make sure that you're getting your research correct. Make sure that you're mm-hmm. doing everything to do with your product correct and play by the rules. We've been a big advocate of play by the rules. You're in their playground. They hold the keys and they can they can throw you out of the playground and they can lock the gate behind you and, and do that. So it's up to you. But also it's that thing where a lot of people get that fear factor of, you know, oh, I can't go on there because they're going to do this. And I say to people, it's like, why would they do that? If you're not committing any offenses, right. why would they do that? They're making money off you. So why would they ever do that? But yeah, definitely, you know, the, the number of changes and different things on the, on the platform has been a lot, but it's always been good. It's always been something that has, that has helped us as sellers sell. You know, it's that I talk about a beautiful marriage of where a buyer meets a seller. Well, that's Amazon. Buyers go there and sellers sell there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what's again going to what y'all y'all's programs not gaming the system you're not doing black hat or gray hat type things where i think that's what's always interesting because so many of the amazon you know i almost put this in air quotes like teachers and ex experts and gurus it's based on gaming the system even if they think it's a gray hat approach, even if they think it's all right, it's based on some kind of a hack versus what y'all sell is. And one of the reasons why y'all y'all having such success with the people who are buying into has been so interesting to me is y'all have the least sexy training I've ever seen, but it's the most fundamental and sustainable training because of that. There's no saying there's no tricks isn't exactly right because there are tricks to doing it right. And there are the correct approaches to doing things within their framework, but there, there's nothing gimmicky about it either. It's doing things the right way, the the way Amazon wants you to, the way that the buyers want you to. And it's, it's a lot of work, but it lasts for, it's um, almost evergreen. Yeah. And I look at that as, you know, strategies over tactics. You know, I don't yeah. really want to bring in a tactic yeah. where, because the tactics have to change all the time and it then doesn't become a passive style of business. Whereas if you've mm-hmm. got a strategy as to what you do and how you do it, things become very simplistic. We never talk into confusion. I really dislike whenever I hear, you know, gurus or as you say, air quotes, experts talking into confusion of something where they'll try to confuse the person who's trying to learn it in order to sell them the next piece of the jigsaw. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, I want to see all the jigsaw and I want to learn through a proven strategy. And that goes across the line in any business, not just, not just this business, uh, especially whenever we're starting off. 
It's this thing where we're not creating the next Facebook. We're not creating the next Google. And whenever we realize that, that we're not going to be the next Apple, the better it is for us as business people. You should try and keep it as simple as possible mm -hmm. because a business really only has one commitment and that's to its shareholders. It, and it, these yeah. are basic fundamental business elements. And it's like the business is only there to provide a profit bottom line. That's it. It's not there to have a glass fronted building that looks fantastic whenever people drive by. It's got nothing to do with that. It's all about that bottom line on a P&L report, which I'm sure you're well versed with, and balance sheets and all that. That's all, that's all it is. So therefore, taking it and saying, right, what's my best approach here? Mm -hmm. Do I want to go and have to start creating all this stuff? Because maybe I'm not creative, or maybe the stuff that I would create is not what a buyer wants. And we once said it, go to the place where people are spending their money and investing in something and lie down in front of them. And it, 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 I know some people think that, that is, that's, that's too simplistic, but the more simplistic yeah. that, that you can make it, the, the better. People are on Amazon. They're looking for things. They're looking for day-to-day -day solutions. Provide them. Go into a market which has a heightened demand and a lack of supply and go and go in there. That's economics. I mean, whenever I did economics at school a long, long time ago, that was class 101. You know, mm -hmm. demand and supply sets price, sets absolutely everything. And exactly the same is true today. Those business fundamentals don't change, Micah. No, not at all. And I like the way you phrased this confusion. And I think that goes to the, I think sometimes people want, it goes to ego where they want to think their business is more complicated than it is. Sometimes it goes to the mentors who don't, you said give them a piece of the jigsaw. They want to make things seem way more complicated than they are so that they're, the business is still dependent on them for operations. But that's what's always funny to me. You see a lot in the internet marketing space and you see it with a lot of, really you see it all over, across the board where mentors will set up these Byzantine structures to where it's just layers and layers and layers and the org chart and the flow charts are impossible to follow and they make it seem like the business and the way you need to operate and all of this stuff is insanely complicated and for most of maybe that's the way that you've set up your business but for most of us that's not the way the business actually needs to be set up i think too you know whenever you look at it now there's never been a better time to set up a business such as as the one that that we talk about mm -hmm. and, and a lot of other businesses as well but i can i can primarily speak for for ours with, with with knowledge is this idea of whenever i started you couldn't do this right there was no marketplace you had to go you had to sink a lot of money mm -hmm. into building a website getting yourself a coder and a guy who could program things or a company who could code and put it out there and that was your test that was how you tested a market. You've got to go and build it. And that was before you put a product on the shelf or anything else. And, you know, taking, taking payments, that used to be really, really mm -hmm. tricky. It was one of the, the things that really uh, took so long for us to get integrated was how to take a credit card. Again, I know that sounds crazy. Uh, and also, there was no way back then that importing products or sourcing products was easier than what it is now. It was really, really difficult because some countries weren't set up as well, some mm -hmm. suppliers, other websites. Uh, you know, you didn't have an ease of use to get your goods in or get it back out to, to a customer. 
you know, literally I was setting up the website, storing the products, having to bring them in the awkward way, packaging up every single item, having my own courier account, collecting payments. It was a nightmare. Yeah. Whereas nowadays, you have things like Amazon where you don't need a website. Or if you have a website, you've got things like Spotify. Uh, sorry, Shopify. And you can go on the Amazon. They'll collect the payment for you. They disperse it out. You've got other things like Alibaba where you can source items easily. You know, we have so many different devices and so many different communication tools now. It's almost to the stage where if you don't have even a side Amazon business, no matter what you're involved in, I think if you don't have a side Amazon business, you're, you're throwing an opportunity cost out the window because mm -hmm. it's so straightforward to get involved in. And we have seen inside our community as well, Mikey, you know, as you know, so many of our experts, even down to legal attorneys and things, they've got a little side Amazon mm -hmm. business, not only to learn the system, but also to make some profit out of it as well. Yeah, absolutely. There's a huge opportunity there. All right, cool. So we've been talking a long time. So we'll get to the second question. Roll question through number two. <laughs> a little faster. Uh, the thing that we, again, go into what we say at the outset, that there's so many people who pretend in the online space who aren't actually profitable. What's the best thing about having a profitable online business? Well, to me, it's all about the numbers. I'm well known in, in Marketplace Superheroes for, for being the numbers nerd or the numbers mm -hmm. geek, whatever you want to call it. And it's, it's that mathematics because business to me is, is numbers. That's all it is. Mm -hmm. uh, as you said, you know, but not being sexy or not being this or the other. Uh, numbers are, are just factual. Uh, whenever you know what you're doing with them, then they, they give you the facts. And a lot of people don't know how to do it. So that's why we have sort of simplified it with creating great calculators for them so they can work things out before they bring in mm -hmm. a product. There's no point in bringing in a thousand products, putting it onto the marketplace, and then seeing if it's profitable or not, because it likely won't be. So therefore, working all of that stuff out beforehand is integral, it's absolutely integral. And I think whenever you're listening to some person or you know, you're getting to that stage where you wanna, you wanna consult with somebody or have that sort of mentor do the course, Test them on their numbers. That's what I would always say. Mm -hmm. Let's just see if they're telling you absolutely everything that's correct in terms of numbers, whether that be the size of the product, because that's going to matter on your shipping, or the weight of the product's going to matter on your fulfillment, and all of these different things. Have we really accounted for everything that we can? And make sure not to confuse different parts of that equation which you know you yourself and marlon that you you guys know when we've, we've spoke about it but it's like some people will try to get far too much into that cost of goods right. sold yeah. as as the americans would call it we we would call it something something different here in terms of you know net and, and, and grosses but not putting stuff in that doesn't relate to one sale in terms mm -hmm. of amazon that's the likes of your you know, sales tax or vat getting that out of the road making sure that you've accounted for Amazon's referral fee because that's coming out for one sale. Then their FBA fee, the fee that they charge to send the goods out to each one of your customers, as well as the cost of getting it into Amazon, getting it shipped in, mm -hmm. and then getting it produced. Make sure it all relies on, on one sale. And then take everything else that doesn't have an impact on a sale separately. So things like your storage, you can't relate that to one sale. So that's mm -hmm. an expense. You're, you're advertising. Yeah. You cannot relate that to one sale. So therefore, it, it is a, it, it's an expense. And going down through those things or your, your cell phone bill or the rent on your office, 
their expenses. So make sure you know your numbers and connect those numbers with a great CPA like yourself, Micah, so that they got a you got an understanding of, of what these numbers mean, bottom line. Absolutely. And and that segues well into the third question. And and this is one I think you're more qualified to speak to because you do follow the numbers much more closely than the average entrepreneur does is one of the things that we deal with a lot with our online business clients that can be a challenge is dealing with cash flow. So you track that meticulously and y'all have these different streams of income. You've got the superhero office, you have the main marketplace superheroes, you've got superheroes freight. So how have you managed to do that so successfully? Well, certainly cash flow has always been, uh, it's been one of my strengths. And, you know, whenever you look, uh, I, I always look at assets, uh, the assets that I have in play. Uh, if you take a physical business, it's probably the easier of the two to, to kind of explain. But whenever you've got assets in play, such as stock, and you know what your current run rate is, that I would, that I would call it, so my run rate being... Yeah. How many am I selling on a, on a two-weekly or monthly basis, whatever way you want to account? Now, unless your product is highly seasonal or your products, should I say, because you want to have a portfolio. You don't, yeah, you don't want to rely on one. And, you know, whenever you look at that, unless they're highly seasonal, if they sold 20 in the last two weeks, what do you think they're going to sell in the next two weeks? They're likely to sell 20 or certainly as an average. Now, if you know that and you know that you're getting paid, because again, the luxury of Amazon is they don't phone you up and say, yeah, the check's in the post or I'll pay you whenever you know, some money comes in. They pay you on the dot. So mm -hmm. you know when you're getting paid and you actually know what you're getting paid or you can certainly calculate it and forecast it. Looking at things like that and then starting to think, okay, well, how long? That stock doesn't last forever. It runs out. So I'm going to have to reorder and that reorder is going to cost me an investment of some money to get it reordered. And I want to make sure that it comes back in again before this other stock runs out. Accounting for that in terms of what I would call the, the left-hand side of the column, money in, coming into the business, that's very, very important. And on the right-hand side, just as important, if you know that you've got things that come out every single month, put them into your forecasts. If you yeah. pay uh, rent on an office, or you pay a cell phone bill, these things are generally always around the same money. You know, maybe it's $400 for an office or 60 bucks for a cell phone bill. It very rarely fluctuates that much. So get them into the into what I have it on the right-hand side. My, my, my sales are in on the left-hand side. And then that starts to allow for you to predict what's going to be in your bank account. And more importantly, whether there's going to be a gap because you can't afford not to order, right? So if there's, if there's a, a stage where you're going to run out of stock of something and you put in a stock order and all of a sudden that, that balance goes to minus, goes into the red, you're going to have to go and find some money from somewhere, whether that's a loan from yourself into the business or a bank or an overdraft or whatever it is, because you can't afford to, to run out of, out of stock on that. And I think that's one thing that people can get a little bit sort of strung or hung up on is that because you've got a negative amount in your bank does not mean that your business is doing bad. It means no. that you've got a cash flow issue. And that's it. it comes back around to the question, yeah. I guess. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think budgeting and forecasting are relatively basic things that most business should businesses should be doing, but it's pretty shocking the number that don't where it's just they're relying on their bank balance to tell them how the business is doing and going to what you just said, that doesn't necessarily mean that your business is doing bad. Also doesn't mean that your business is doing well either, depending on what's going on. That can be a real false positive. Yeah. I mean, you can have a lot of cash in the business and your business could be doing bad. That's, that's not an indicator. That's just an indicator of how much money you've got in the, in the bank at any, at any one time. It means, it means very little. And actually, as a product-based business that, that we're talking about, mm-hmm. I could argue that having cash in the bank is bad. <laughs> right. Because you're not a bank. You're not, a, you're not loaning money where you need mm-hmm. to have a stash of, of capital to be able to loan out. You're in the product business. So therefore, every single one of your assets that's a product and our game is worth twice as much as it is a dollar sitting in the bank. So mm-hmm. take all the money out of the bank and start to bring in more products and make sure you've got stock. Right. Well, that money's, assuming you're not doing what you said earlier, you just blast a thousand products out there with no research and, and no idea that it's actually going to do anything for you. Assuming you're running the business correctly and profitably mm-hmm. to begin with, if you're putting those things back in stock and research and development, putting it back into the business, that's making you more money. If it's sitting in your checking account or your savings account, you're earning somewhere between zero to 2% right now on that cash just hanging out there. Yeah. And actually I, um, I came across something the other day that I'm going to be speaking about shortly to, to our guys is, you know, whenever you look at different things and really what people, it's, it's amazing that they talk about wanting to be in business. And the reason that they want to be in business is to make money. They say that. But then they don't study money, right? The one mm-hmm. thing that they say they want, they don't know what it is. And they don't know about it. It's like if I go down to purchase a new car, oh, I mean, we, we go on to websites, we read about the not the 60, we read about the fuel consumption, we read about what great seats they have and how comfortable it is. So why would it be any difference whenever we're in business and we're talking about making money? We should study money because I don't know about the US, but I'm pretty sure it's the same as the UK. The cost of living is going up, right? Mm -hmm. So that means that every dollar this time next year is going to be worth less Mm -hmm. because things will go up. Inflation is, you know, it's a positive percentage. So therefore, the actual value of that dollar or pound is worthless next year. Mm-hmm. What about taxes? Anybody think taxes are going to go down? I very much doubt it. You know, they, yeah. they tell us that they are, but it goes down during election year and then it seems to creep back up again. So taxes are going up. The value of our money is going down and the cost of living is going up. That's not a good formula mm-hmm. for, for hanging on to money. It actually means that if you hung on to money long enough in a bank, it would turn to zero. It would turn to nothing. Right. Okay, that would take a long time. But it's a you've got to be turning that money into a better asset. Just depending on your balance. Depending yeah, depending on, how, on the balance. If it's, if it's boost. Yeah, depending on the country as well, I guess. You know, it's, it's those things. It's like you've got to invest in, in assets. You know, we used to, mm-hmm. back in the day, you know, people used to invest in gold, you know, because 
that held its value a hell of a lot better than, than cash. We saw countries investing in gold. There's no difference now, absolutely no difference. In our walk of life inside an Amazon business, you invest in products. Your products are your, are your net wealth, really, as opposed to what's sitting uh, in the bank. In other walks of life, the likes of what Adam was talking about, I'm sure he's investing in his prospects, in his leads. Yeah. He's trying to build up a bigger audience. The same thing goes. He doesn't want to be sitting with a whole pile of, of money in the bank and not as many addresses or people that he can talk to about what he wants to sell. It's no different here. Yeah, absolutely. All right, man. So fourth question, and this might be what we've been talking about might be a different tip. What we always ask all of our guests is to give us one tip that you think that every online business owner should know. One, one tip that every online business owner should know. Yeah. Well, it kind of, for me, you probably know where I'm, where I'm coming around here too, but it's, it's definitely to keep an eye on, on the numbers in behind that business. Mm-hmm. And especially in today's uh, you know, environment, there's no reason, there's no excuses for not doing that. The likes of the platforms that we have for you know, zero QuickBooks, I mean, I'm a, I'm a zero fan in terms of, of mm-hmm. accounting. I know somebody else will probably say QuickBooks. They're, They're kind the of all, thing. yeah, as <laughs> long as thing. you've got something. Go in and learn a little bit about it and what you're, mm-hmm. what you're putting in there. You do not need to be an expert, okay? Because, you know, your accountant, your CPA, that team is going to look after the submissions to the government and everything else. But go and look and see what things mean. Go and look and see what you should be doing. And take the time every week to go and do a little bit. Believe you me, I have come to the end of the year in, pa- in, a, in a past life. It's almost like I've left it behind. I'm so grateful now that I've left it behind. And I hadn't done a scratch, right? Absolutely nothing. And I would go to the accountant and they'd say, well, where's this? And I'd say, oh, well, I have to go and get everything. Whereas eating a little bit of that apple every week, mm-hmm. you'll understand your business better. You'll definitely see where you might be underpricing things. You might even see where you're overpricing things. You're going to see where you're spending money needlessly. You know, maybe even sometimes you might see in your business, you might have two cell phones instead of one, or you might have this, you might be doubling up somewhere. The only time you see that is whenever you shine a spotlight on it. Do it every week. Honestly, about one hour a week will get you so much done inside that, that zero and learn things like what is a profit and loss account, Mm -hmm. right? Because a lot of people turn around and say, oh, if I've made a, a loss on my profit and loss account, the world is going to end. Not necessarily. You might have just bought too much products that month. You might have mm-hmm. invested very heavily in something. It's just, it's just something slightly different. Learn these terms. Go and get some, some videos on it and learn them. Learn what a balance sheet is okay, and why it matters to your business. Look at some forecasting, some simple forecasting. Get those numbers. It is not difficult, and every single entrepreneur should be doing that every single week. Mm-hmm. And you know, to, to kind of to kind of steal a couple of phrases from from somebody I know well, it's like if you're if you're serious about your business, treat your business seriously, yeah. right? We know the guy who yeah. also said business is war. Well, it is mm-hmm. war, uh, and we've we've got to be uh, we've got to be prepared for it. And the best way is to know those numbers inside out. That's what's always funny to me when clients are either doing their own books or they get a bookkeeper to do it and they say, okay, books are done. And I go in and I pull a P and L and a balance sheet. I'm like, no, they're not. 
And it's yeah. clear just looking at those reports that the bookkeeper or the client, what they're, what they're doing is reconciling their checkbook. They're, they're going in and making sure the check register balances, which is good. That means the transactions are accounted for, but the reporting is nonsensical. There will be bank accounts that are in the negative because certain things didn't clear. You had, you'll have things where they had a loan account. They never set up the loan to begin with. So there'll be this loan or line of credit that's negative $50,000. Things that just, you can tell they never once pulled the report because it's so aberrant and so bizarre that if they did, they would have been like, oh, that's not right. That doesn't make any sense. But people treat it like, oh, I put it in zero. I put it in QuickBooks. I'm done. Yeah. Job done. And, yeah, and that's, and that's absolutely crazy. But it's also crazy from a reporting standpoint. If you just put everything on one line, then all you're going to see is one line. Break these things up. Create, uh, I would call them nominal codes, but I guess they're just accounting codes now. Create your own different codes as well so that you can, you can start seeing all of the different bits of your business. Is it, it's, that, it's that thing. It's like, are you serious about your business? Then you're mm -hmm. going to have to treat it seriously. There is, there's no, there's just no excuses anymore for, for, for not doing that. There's absolutely zero. Yeah. The yeah. Completely agreed. All right. So last question, fifth one that we ask everyone is either what's the craziest thing you've seen sold online or what's the craziest tactic you've seen to sell something online? Oh, I could probably do, I could probably do both. One, the, the yeah. craziest tactic that I've ever seen it's probably one that a lot of people know about. It's not going to be rocket science or, or some revelation, but it's giving products away in order to sell them at a later date. To me, that's absolutely crazy. You're taking a batch of money, you're throwing it into the wilderness on the you know proviso that something's going to happen later on down the line. It comes back to my thing of you're not Coca-Cola, you're not Apple. Coca-Cola can go into your local Walmart or Tesco and they can put out their two liter bottles or whatever it is, 18 flow ounces or whatever it is over there. No, we do liters. It's weird. Those are the oh, only we things we do liters on. You must, be, you must be adapting towards this wonderful metric system. No, we should, <laughs> but it's, we've had liters for the past like three decades and haven't. <laughs> fantastic. But they can go into Walmart and they can give every person that walks through that door two liters of Coca-Cola because they're Coca-Cola right mm -hmm. there's there, there's a there's a reason for that because they're going to capture the second sale and the hundred and second sale we're not going to do that you know and stop thinking that, that we are that tactic to me is just absolutely uh, insane i think the weirdest the weirdest thing that i've seen selling online and i have seen quite a few believe me and I, i'm getting to see more right. and more now with, with so many people in uh, in our in our community and I think it actually, it probably goes, I mean, I've mentioned them a couple of times, but I think it goes to, to the guy who we've mentioned. And uh, whenever we were speaking one time and he said, uh, I think I found one of these boring, non-sexy products you were talking about. And I said, so what is it? And he said, it's stabilizing feet for a washing machine. And I thought, fantastic. Absolutely brilliant. I love it. Um, sold really, really well, and uh, they, you know, good, good margin in the in the product. 
the market is a little bit more uh, convoluted at, at the minute, but it still sells every day for them. And I always look at things, and whenever I'm talking, I mean, we just did an event there not so long ago, and I always talk to people and I say, principles over products, right? Never go into a video and look at a product that people are talking about and then go and buy that product. Because the amount of people that are looking at the video, you're just getting yourself involved in another market. And don't then think conversely, oh, well, if he's already said that, it means nobody's going to do it, therefore I should do it. Take the principle. Take the principle that we're talking about. And, and actually, that goes the, the whole way across. Take the principle, not just the example. And then right. it's an expression of, if you know that, you can fish forever. Whereas if, if you only just take it, you're only going to fish for the day. You're only just going to get your fish and eat it. Tomorrow, you're not going to have anything. Whereas you've got the principle, you can do it over and over and over again. Yeah, absolutely. All right, perfect, buddy. Had a blast talking to you as always. It's an absolute pleasure. And we did, uh, we did one question in half the time and the other four. Right, roll through the perfect. <laughs> Um, so for anyone who's listening to this, anyone who wants to get involved in an Amazon business or reach out to you for business advice, what's y'all's website, best method of contact? Yeah, the best method is just to go on to marketplacesuperheroes.com and that's superheroes with an E, uh, H-E-R-O-E-S.com. Uh, I see a lot of people uh, leaving that out and making it their, their reference to us. Uh, that's the easiest way to contact us. We have everything on there. You can get in contact by, by email through there. We've got all our, all our bits. Uh, every, everything's on that site, and it's the, it's the easiest way. A lot of good information. You'll also find us on YouTube just by searching Marketplace Superheroes. Uh, Stephen, my co-founder, he's got a lot of information on, mm-hmm. uh, on YouTube, a lot of videos. I'm on there as well, and a number of the teams on there. That's, uh, that's been great to be able to give so much information so much value yeah. so even non-members right uh, it's 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 been it's been a blast it's been absolutely fantastic all right perfect i will put that link in the description thanks again for being here and thanks to everyone who's listening on a few of the proud the profitable again where we only talk to people who are actually making money online remember to review to subscribe to this podcast and we'll catch y'all next time